Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Welcome inside another quarantined edition of the Score North Gophers show. Thank you so much for finding this show wherever it is that you have done so whether it be via Apple and iTunes, Spotify, the free Score North mobile app, or maybe you're listening at scorenorth.com. Thanks a ton. We greatly appreciate it. And out of the gate here, if you wouldn't mind when you have a quick moment, give us a review, give us a rating. We would certainly love that so we can take the Score North Gophers show to the masses. For all those Gopher fans in Peru, we would love them to be able to hear the Score North Gophers show. Your host today, myself, Ross Brendel, at Brendel Ross on Twitter, James Murphy, at Murph underscore MN on the Twitter machine. Murph out of the gate. Before we get rolling and talk some Gopher sports, basketball, and football, wellness and welfare check. How are you doing, my man? I can actually see your smiling face today, as you can see mine. You appear to be yeah, in good health. Yeah, you're smiling. You look happy. Vibrant green shirt today. Twins cap. You look good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I wellness check. We were all good. No, uh, no corona to speak of. Um, I've I've been uh, I've, I've been itching to get out of the house lately. So um, I I've been trying to come up with some projects that I could do uh, or or you know something to do outside. We are going to be, I'm going to be going over to my parents' house uh, this weekend and helping them clean out their basement. So I'm excited for that project. What about yourself, Russ? How you, you busy? You keep your six feet. I, I have definitely uh, still maintained most of my social distancing. There's been a few, few breaks, either intended or unintended. And by breaks, I mean, yeah, I may not physically be doing what the state is asking me to do, but I am a football field away from the next person for the for the most part. Yeah, I've I've had to make little trips to my dad's house and my sister's house to get things. I live in an apartment, so I have a lot of different things stored at different places. And I still wanted to have those things, including my patio furniture. So I needed to go pick that up, kept a distance. Went to my sister's once to do laundry because my laundry is an absolute screw at $4 a load. So when I wow. picked when I picked something up at my sister's, I did laundry at her place, kept my distance. She was barely home. So things like that. But that's, uh, again, I, I strongly encourage follow the guidelines. People should be doing what they're asked to do until we're, we're told until we're told not to. That's at least my personal belief. I can't force everybody who's listening to do that. All I ask is that you keep your distance as much as you can. You wash your hands. You stay sanitized. And let this be a reminder to not hoard the cleaning products when there's a pandemic going around. 
Murph, you should always be cleaning and sanitizing your place. Not. <laughs> I saw you. I saw you tweet that the other day, and I, to be honest, and and I'm in a little bit of an, an odd area because we have. We used to have in. I, I'm for people who don't know. I, I live in Hudson. I'm from Hudson, Wisconsin. We used to have two grocery stores. We we and we have like we have an Aldi. We have we have some other places you can get stuff like that. But we cut down to one grocery store. Like. I would, I want to say like six months ago. And so what's happened is like the, the one grocery store we have is for the surrounding area too. And Hudson's a little bit of a larger kind of growing area. And so I have seen toilet paper in the last month there, well, a total of one time. And I've never seen any cleaning supplies since all this happened. So kind of an interesting little wrinkle in there. Like I've had to go outside of my area to go get those things. The Forgotten Cub and Forgotten Target in Egan were very good out of the gate because nobody remembers that they exist. However, once they were wiped out of everything, now they have maintained being out of everything. But Murph, as you probably would learn about me, I was prepared for a pandemic before a pandemic even hit. I have toilet paper and cleaning supplies until probably February of 2023. And I I wouldn't say I'm a hoarder. I just... I just have at least two of everything, and that includes that includes toothpaste, body wash, shampoo, bottles of bleach, Clorox. I mean, come on, people, clean your stuff. Anyways, You're we're here. Well, well <laughs> We're here to talk about Gopher sports, and we just spent five minutes talking about my cleaning. Yeah, that's how that. That's how that goes. <laughs> We spent five minutes talking about my cleaning habits and your shopping habits, so let's get right in as much as we can to go for basketball. A Kerwin Walton, he will never get a job in the seven county metro as he chooses North Carolina Murph, telling Jim Paulson of the Star Tribune, quote, I remember going out on the old court where MJ played. That was wild. I thought it was really cool to look up and see all the banners and the colors, Walton said. The whole thing. I said this yesterday on the Twitter machine. Uh, one of my high school friends chimed in. Hey, Ryan, good to hear from you. He not a huge fan of this argument when people choose the tradition, and he wasn't necessarily attacking me. I look at it this way, and this is you and I have talked about this multiple times. Yeah. It's really tough to fault somebody like Kerwin Walton for choosing North Carolina because of that tradition. I totally get it. I feel like somewhere along the way somebody was left at the altar because his decision was delayed or maybe he was flip-flopping he dragged it out right yeah exactly so maybe maybe minnesota thought they were getting him and he went to north carolina maybe north carolina thought they were getting him this entire time and then when his decision was delayed maybe they thought they were losing him regardless of that situation let's just take it for what it is and what we know and not speculate he chooses North Carolina, as he said, historic building, all those banners, all those national championships, Hall of Fame college basketball coach and Roy Williams, who's won national championships at what? Two different stops, Kansas and North Carolina. Really tough to fault him. And this is not this is not me trying to diminish the U, but the University of Minnesota just doesn't have that. It's not that they won't have it one day, but it takes time. And the path to getting there, Murph, is to taking your three-star recruits, coaching them up to four-star recruits, getting your four-star recruits, coaching them up to five-star recruits, 
and eventually making deep runs into NCAA tournaments. So you have some recent history where maybe it makes it easier to pull some of these kids. And as we've said numerous times, okay, you didn't get Kerwin Walton, top 100 recruit nationally, somewhere in the 90s based off of what favorite recruiting site you'd like to use. Okay, you didn't get him, but occasionally you do get kids, right? You, you, again, you brought it up the last time we chatted, I believe. Daniel Oturu could have went multiple different places and he chose Minnesota. So the narrative that Richard Pitino never gets the Minnesota kids is completely false. However, if you want to say the narrative is he doesn't get enough of the good Minnesota kids, I, I can hear that. Again, I would, always, I would always say, okay, fine, but I don't care if they're Minnesota kids, just get good kids. That clearly, because of the ups and downs of the program since he's been here, has been an issue. Fairness in Argument Act, Jamal Mashburn Jr. coming in next year is a four-star recruit. The Gophers recruiting class only officially includes two incoming freshmen, one a four-star in Jamal Mashburn Jr. and one a three-star recruit. I rambled a bit there, Murph, but I wanted to get my thoughts out on the table. I'm disappointed. I would have loved to have Kerwin Walton, especially with knowing who took that final spot on next year's roster, which we'll get to momentarily. I would never fault Kerwin Walton for this. I even tweeted yesterday on the Twitter machine, at Brendel Ross, hey, keep a good relationship with him because he could go to North Carolina, really not play for a year or two, decide that he doesn't like it, and then he wants to come home to Minnesota, in which I pretty much can guarantee you they would probably take him. So your thoughts, Murph. Sorry for rambling. No, no. I mean, I think that's an interesting thought you bring up at the end uh, because you look at North Carolina's recruiting class for next year. They're third in the country, I've seen. And they're they're bringing in multiple five-star, multiple four-star recruits to the point where Kerwin Walton is like their fifth or sixth best recruit at this point. Whereas if he went to Minnesota, he's probably number one. That's what I think I, I'm, I'm most interested about because they already had this packed recruiting class for next year, he might not play next year. He might kind of, I mean, maybe maybe he plays some minutes. Maybe he starts, who knows. But I don't think that's guaranteed with, with the kind of class they have. Obviously, they struggled this year being under 500. Um, surprisingly, they had, um, they, they had some good players, of course, but... I think that it's an interesting choice to choose uh, to choose North Carolina. You have, of course, he mentions the um, the history of the program, the chance that that you're going to have a better chance to become a pro. Um, the the exposure that you have playing for Roy Williams, playing for North Carolina, is is obviously much more than you would playing for the University of Minnesota. But I, I, I was surprised, maybe not necessarily to see him go to a different school, but to choose North Carolina was, was interesting. But it sounds like his visit there kind of kind of solidified it for him. However, some, you're right, something happened because he was set to make that decision on Saturday, and we didn't hear about it officially until Monday. So something was happening with another school, or maybe North Carolina uh, he, he didn't originally choose them, but they came on strong. Something happened in those two days to delay his decision until yesterday. Well, let's let's discuss the elephant in the room, Murph. It's possible his decision was delayed because maybe he's a Vikings fan and was just too enthralled 
with Rick Spielman having 47 picks on Saturday and the Vikings' right. overall draft. That's and, and somehow not coming out. I, I, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a rant here. Tyler Johnson was sitting there forever. He sat there until the middle of the fifth round. And for the Vikings to not take him, when you, I mean, uh, they obviously, what that meant is they didn't have him graded very high, which is just very interesting to me. Because you could, he was there to have at the bottom of the fourth round when they picked, when they had two or three picks in the fourth round. Um, they had three picks in the fifth round. They traded out of the top of their top selection. And then by the time their second selection came, Tyler was already taken by the Buccaneers. I mean, I really liked what the Vikings did this year, but the fact that they didn't come away with Tyler Johnson, I just, I completely didn't understand that. Okay, we're going to get to Tyler Johnson in a moment. I want to put a bow tie on college basketball. So Richard Pitino's, we'll call it class for next year's finalized with the two freshmen that I mentioned. They picked up their final transfer, and I say final because he was the third one. Rice transfer. Drew Peterson, he picked the Gophers. Other schools in competition were Vanderbilt and Creighton. Good basketball schools. Last year, Drew Peterson, as a sophomore for Rice, averaged 11 points, 6.5 boards, 3.5 assists. He shot 41%. Again, Murph, I file this in the meh. Okay. I mean, it's, it's it's really, in my opinion... It's damage control is all that it is, and it's limited damage control. You were keeping a spot open for Kerwin Walton, and you didn't get him. And now you go, you get a kid from Rice who might be a pretty good player. They told him, and what he says the selling point is, Minnesota kind of stuck out from the beginning, and they basically kind of told him they think he can kind of fill that Amir Coffee role. That's from an article with Marcus Fuller in the Star Tribune, hat tip to the Star Tribune for great coverage for Gopher Sports here during COVID-19. But but Murph, I mean, realistically, okay, whatever. Next year's roster is such a hodgepodge of players. That's, yeah, I, that, that's if the NCAA even says that they can all play. A portion of them of the transfers may be able to play. They all may, They all may be able to play. We'll find that out in time. We know Jamal Mashburn Jr. will play. I saw our guy Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Scoop Podcast and KSTP TV. He believes that Marcus Carr will be back. He's expected back, but we still don't know that officially. Things could change. It's just a hodgepodge roster, and good for this kid. I hope he works out. I hope he becomes a really nice get along with the other transfers, Liam Robbins from Drake and Brandon Johnson from Western Michigan. But Murph, let's say all these kids play next year and they all contribute. Are we really going to be led to believe that a transfer from Rice, a transfer from Drake, and a transfer from Western Michigan, along with Jamal Mashburn Jr. and Eric Curry, who may be able to provide something, might not be able to. Again, we'll find that out in time. Along with Marcus Carr and hopefully a better version of Gabe Kelcher, are we really supposed to believe and get excited about that being a possible NCAA tournament team? It will be year eight of Richard Pitino, who I love and adore. If you've gone to two NCAA tournaments in eight years, I don't care which university you're coaching. I don't care what the I don't care what your 
academic expectations are. I don't care what your spiritual expectations are. I don't care what your social academic expectations are. If you want to take the next step, and again, I know, 14 tournaments in 48 years. I say it all the time, but that shouldn't be expected. You should want to do better than two tournaments in eight years. And if you're not, if this team can't get to an NCAA tournament or sniff an NCAA tournament to something you told me before we started recording today, Murph, what is the point and what are we even doing here? And I say that with all yeah. love possible towards Richard Pitino because I find him incredibly hilarious. He seems to be incredibly honest. Whether he likes it here or not is anybody's guess. At least he does us a service and at least fakes that he likes it here, whether he doesn't or not. I want to cheer for him. Uh, but I'm sorry, don't expect me to be excited about next year's roster. And I hope to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that <clears throat> that could happen is you have you have the experience of all these kids possibly if, if they're you're right if they are allowed to come in and play right away you have the experience of guys who've been there before playing Division One basketball it they to all of, the, of their credit they performed at least well where they were so they're not like. You are gaining that experience, hopefully. You're gaining that that guy who you can kind of just plug in. Um, kind of like we saw Alihan Demir this year. They just put him in there and he did okay. Like he he was able to to hold over that starting position and he got you what you needed from him, basically. Now, if you take three of those guys, and I, I especially like uh, your guy <laughs> Liam Robbins. Because they needed that big guy in the middle losing Daniel Oturu. They needed that rebounding and defensive presence. So I, I really like that addition the most, I believe. We'll see on the other kids. I've obviously never looked at them. So it's, it's hard for me to say what they're going to be. Full disclosure here. But I think if you get Marcus Carr back next year and you added these three transfers, you're, you're obviously hoping for a better season from Gabe Kalsher. We'll see on Jamal Mashburn Jr. He looks like a he looks like a nice little recruit, and obviously he's he's probably going to play. So I I, I don't you're right though I, I I'm not expecting an NCAA tournament appearance from this team, but I, I can at least be positive going into it, and just because it's going to be so different than the team we saw this year, that's the one thing I can say, and that that's what kind of excites me is. When, when we see change, when we see over, like sweeping overhaul change, and that's what we're going to see next year, I'm, I'm at least intrigued to see what that's going to look like. I Well, th there is intrigue value, without a doubt, because as I said, uh, Murph, right here at the beginning of bringing this topic up, a hodgepodge doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. I mean, it, it could work out, but there is... As you said, Murph, I, I love that word. It is intriguing that, again, I'm not telling you because I'm not excited. I'm not going to watch go for basketball. I will watch every game because almost every game is on TV. I will go to a few games. I will cheer for them, and I will hope for the best. But, yes, I would say it's an intriguing roster, but just because it's intriguing – Oftentimes, I think when you hear the word intriguing, people think, oh, so it's exciting. It's going to be good. 
I don't know if in this case that's what intriguing means. I think it's more yeah. of, well, how can this work? Because as we've talked about before, if Marcus Carr comes back, if you get anything from Curry, Kelsher's a little bit better. Who knows? Maybe Omersa develops a bit. There are some pieces. It's not like it's a, a, a complete roster that's void of talent. I mentioned right. I mentioned yesterday, Murph, if you want to see what an expansion college basketball roster looks like, look at the go for basketball roster next year and in probably 2021, because it's literally just kids pulled from from different universities. I want to move off basketball because I want to leave time for football. We're still in the postmortem of the NFL draft. Really, maybe we didn't like the positions or the, the draft spots that a few guys went. I think we were hoping that Antoine Winfield Jr. would go in the first round, but I think we all yeah. knew he would definitely go by the second round. I think we were all hoping that Tyler Johnson would go higher, but he appears to have just wound up in a great spot. Murph, this was the first time since 1978 that the Gophers have had five players drafted in the NFL draft. By the way, in 1978, two of those players were drafted in the 12th round. So I was just going to say, so of the seven-round format, this is the most players yep, ever taken. Most, most players ever taken. They had four a few times under Glenn Mason, just scanning yep. it. Well, actually, one was under Jerry Kill in 2015, yep. and then back in 2000. 2015 would have been like, was that like uh, Devondre Campbell and uh, David Cobb and like that kind of class, right? Well, you named one. You got David Cobb. Do you want to try in a few others? Oh, God. Um, if you can give me positions, maybe I can try it. I Because I, I, I remember briefly seeing it, but I, oh, uh, Eric Murray, that's probably one. Um Eric Murray would have been 2016 the following year. Let's do this really quickly for the listeners, okay? Going in the second round to the Baltimore Ravens was a tight end. That was Max Williams. Correct. Going in the fourth round, one of my all-time favorite gophers, and I believe now Super Bowl champion, linebacker. Uh, was it... Uh... Oh my God! David Wilson. Yeah, that? yeah, you were about to say it. I could see it. And then let's see here. Going in the fifth round, a running back to the Tennessee Titans, who I believe, yep, who I believe became a Vikings practice squad member very quickly. And he played in both the AAF and the XFL. Good for him. And final one, a defensive back in 2015, middle of the fifth round. Uh, what team? To who? To the Miami Dolphins. I'm not going to get that one. I mean, it, it, I don't I don't know that one. Cedric Thompson, who appears to no longer be in any form of affiliated football. He's so a let's fifth round pick. Interesting. Let's whip through these really quickly, Murph, as I as I pull everything back up. Uh, overall, so let's let's start with Antoine Winfield Jr. Yep. He goes in the middle of the second round, 13th overall pick in the second round, 45th overall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So obviously the way this goes, he's the first gopher taken, and initially I go, this is awesome, because I have no idea if this Tom Brady experiment in Tampa Bay is going to work out. It's probably going to be at least two years, maybe it's three years. But what we know is, at the worst, if Tom Brady stays healthy, Tampa Bay is probably going to have a winning record every year, probably anywhere yeah. between 9 and 13 wins. 
So what a great scenario for Antoine Winfield Jr. to come in. And oh, by the way, he had a pretty nice day in the Outback Bowl in that stadium. So minor familiarity there. Let's lump them both together. Tyler Johnson goes in the fifth round, and I'll let you respond to both. Middle of the fifth round as well. Also to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I said when he got drafted, I can't think of a quarterback that is better for Tyler Johnson's skill set. Because Tyler Johnson... He gets knocked on the, the the main thing that they say is that he's slow. Well, it's a straight line speed. It's not it, even his entire, uh, you know, because obviously he's elusive enough to get open. He, we saw that, you know, all of his career in Minnesota. But it's the straight line speed that hurt, obviously hurt. Him. Well, the other thing that I love, and I spent great time with this with Manny on our last podcast here for the Score North Gophers show, and I really had a tough time eloquently talking out this point, so I'll try again with take two. The Tyler Johnson criticism to me that makes me laugh is he doesn't have the world's greatest catch radius. So either one, they're saying all the ridiculous catches that he makes are because he doesn't have a great catch radius, which I also then laugh at and say, well, it doesn't matter. He still makes the catches. For the most part, he can make the ridiculous catches. His issue is probably those those lapses in concentration where he drops the easy ones. Something tells something tells me Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, they're going to figure that out. And I've heard people say they don't think he's going to get a ton of playing time. Look at the receivers that are on the roster for Tampa Bay. For the most part, those are get-down-the-field receivers. Okay, that's not necessarily Tom Brady's strong suit anymore. I think this sets up great for Tom Brady, where most of his passes are less than 10, 15 yards. Right, right. I mean, you look at his his top target in New England towards the end. It was Julian Edelman. And of the receivers on the roster, obviously, Mike Evans is an athletic freak. He can do anything anywhere. And I, you know, Chris Godwin is, I think he's a fantastic receiver as well. But you're right, Tyler Johnson, just in terms of the skill set that seemed to have has worked with Tom Brady, at least recently, uh, a la Julian Edelman, that's that's the closest comparison. So it'll be interesting to see how he works out in Tampa. I think he is the third receiver there. I can't think of uh, what else they might have that would that would rival Tyler Johnson. I think they got really good value in the um, in the fifth round. And if you heard Bruce Arians talk about Tyler Johnson um, in the last couple of days, they were happy. They were. They were in, uh, just really happy to see him drop that far. Arians had seen him in person at the Outback Bowl in Tampa, so that was cool that he saw him there. And 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 that's when he started targeting targeting him. And obviously, he did fall to the to the Buccaneers in the fifth round. So I think again, you mentioned Antoine Winfield with a great landing spot. How how much better of a landing spot could you get than than where Tyler Johnson went to? Um, you, Hall of Fame quarterback, you're probably going to be in, involved in the offense right away. It's, it's a perfect situation. I mean, I think the Vikings would have been a really good situation, too. He would have been in the mix for a third, uh, the third uh, receiver slot. However, with the Vikings offense set up the way it's probably going to run, heavy run offense, they, they utilize the tight ends. Maybe he doesn't get as much playing time as he will, I think, in, uh, in Tampa Bay with Brady. Yeah, I agree with you on really wanting Tyler Johnson or Antoine Winfield Jr. in Minnesota. I think they both made sense, but I think they had to make sense if other things happened with the roster. We mentioned the Ant Harris situation with the Vikings. 
And then also for Tyler Johnson, I think when Jefferson fell to the Vikings and they got a little bit higher quality of a receiver than maybe they thought they were going to get, I think that's completely correct. I think that hurt Tyler Johnson a little bit. You also have to remember they took BC Johnson in the seventh round last year, who's probably just a guy, but I think he contributed more than people thought he would. And then you have to remember they really like Tajay Sharp. It doesn't seem to be just lip service. They like what he can do if healthy. So this might be one of those situations where you're disappointed that you didn't get any of the Minnesota kids and we'll get into the other ones, but I'm not going to fault the Vikings for that. I'm also not going to be one of the people that grades drafts right now. I never do that because you just, you just don't know to quote fake Billy Bean and Moneyball Murph. You think, you know, but you don't. And you do know the Packers draft was awful. I I, I do think it was bad, but I'll never fault a team for taking a quarterback. I'm not sure they had to move up to get Jordan Love. Maybe they did, but I'm not going to fault them for that. Let's go through the other Minnesota kids really quickly. Again, we'll lump two of them together. Carter Coughlin and Chris Williamson both go in the seventh round to the New York Giants. I talked at length with Manny Hill about both of these guys. The New York Giants were a disaster defensively. To me, I look at this I look at this way with both of these guys. I think they both have a chance to at least impress to make the practice squad. I think Chris Williamson might be more of a practice squad developmental guy. I'd be yeah. surprised if Carter Coughlin doesn't make the roster because he can he could be an edge rusher, he can play a little stand-up linebacker for them. He can definitely contribute on special teams, which maybe Chris Williamson can make the roster that way and maybe be a fifth or sixth cornerback on the roster. But again, we talk so much in the draft about guys can fail or succeed in the NFL just based off of luck where they're drafted. This is probably a pretty good situation for both Chris Williamson and Carter Coughlin going to a team that was just disastrous on defense last year. And by the way, it's not Tom Brady, but again, this is why I don't grade drafts initially. Everybody mocked David Gettleman last year for taking Danny Dimes, I think, sixth overall. Well, again, it's only been one year. Daniel Jones looks like he might be a 10, 15-year quarterback in the NFL. Maybe. He struggled down the stretch, but then again, that roster is also garbage. So I cheer for those I cheer for those quarterbacks who um like when every and I guess Jordan Love has to be one too because everyone seems to write them off as they're drafted. I mean, I look mostly at your right, Danny Dimes in New York, um also Josh Allen in in uh, Buffalo. Both those guys were just completely written off when they were taken. And so I I cheer for those guys because I don't like to see that when when people start immediately writing off someone before they've even taken a snap. So, I mean, I, you're right. Seeing Daniel Jones um, come in for Eli last year, perform probably better than most people thought he would, um, make some accurate pass, some accurate NFL throws. Um, that was nice to see. Your point about Carter Coughlin, I want to start there. Carter Coughlin, I think, could be a, uh, could be a, a big, force for the Giants because they don't have too much in the way of pass rushing and if you if you watched any of the gopher games from last year Carter Coughlin at the beginning of the year was probably thought to be a mid-round NFL draft selection with the with the possibility of getting into the higher the higher end with how he performed in his junior year yet I believe it was 10 or 10 or 11 maybe nine sacks yeah I think he had I think he had 10 and a half in 2018 and and four and a half last year Right. The reason being, teams had to scheme for him last year. They that they basically 
went out of their way to take away Carter Coughlin, and they're not going to do that in the NFL. So I think there's going to be a chance for Carter Coughlin to come in and, and surprise some people as a seventh-round draft pick. What hurt him is he, he didn't have this elite speed in the combine, um, elite grading, as, as you will, for, for the athletic set. But what he does do is he, he, he finds a way to get to the quarterback. And I think if they're not scheming for him in the NFL – um, especially with coming coming in maybe with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder for not going as high as maybe he wanted to go. Um, I think he could be a force for the New York Giants. I think there was a good pick for them in the seventh round. Murph, in my best, I don't know how much of the NFL draft you watch this weekend. The whole thing. Okay, and, and I typically do every year, too, because I'm a nerd. I wouldn't have, but I did because there was nothing else. Oh, I, even if it's sunny and 75 out, I'm going to watch most of the draft because – I look at this as watching my kids grow up. When you watch 14 hours of college football for three and a half straight months, basically every Saturday, I don't know what the percentage is, but man, a good chunk of names get picked on day three and I know who they are. I can't tell you all about them, but I know who they are. I know where they played. Except for that kid, Lenore Ryan University. What is that? I couldn't even... that. That, so- that, that sounds like a name of a sister at a Catholic school. I, I have no idea, <laughs> no idea what university that is. Oh, very quickly, before we get to this one, props to Ben Barch at St. John's going in the fourth round to yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just a, a really cool story, and it, and it shows whether he works out or not, these, these kids who make impacts in the NFL can come from anywhere. Ben Barch, the first... Mayak player taken since Ryan Hogue was Mr. Irrelevant in 2003. So really cool to see. If you haven't looked at how Ben Barch basically, he didn't double in size, but how he became so big and strong, Google the shake he was drinking every day. The most disgusting thing you will ever read. It's got like cottage cheese and eggs in it. I, I couldn't even eat for like three hours after reading it. It was disgusting. If he needed, if he needed help putting on weight, he should have just consulted me. I don't know why he was drinking <laughs> that garbage. He, you know I, what he, I, could have, I could have given him some advice. You know what he needed? Paying homage to our buddy Daniel House, who just loves the NFL draft, and at Daniel House NFL did a great job breaking down the draft for not only the Gophers, but the Vikings and other teams. Ben Bartz just needed like three Jack's pizzas a day at 24 minutes. That's right. That's, that's a, a lot. That seems a lot better than drinking that, that garbage shake that he was drinking. <laughs> yeah, cottage cheese, eggs, banana, peanut butter, nasty. And he put like Gatorade in it too. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> okay. Um. Let's see here. My best Trey Wingo. Are you ready? Yeah. Going with the thirtieth pick in the fifth round. A really interesting pick by the Green Bay Packers. They take Kamal Martin, and I say interesting to poke fun at Trey Wingo, who said 200 of the 250 picks were interesting. They they were all interesting. Also, also to me, this one legitimately is interesting. Kamal Martin only appeared in nine games last year, started eight of them, had a very nice season. People thought maybe was going to be higher than a fifth-round pick heading into the year. He wasn't able to do a lot of the offseason stuff. When he finally did get healthy, a pandemic hit. This is a guy who probably might be a bit higher than a fifth-round pick, maybe a third- or fourth-round pick, and he goes to the enemy. And as I jokingly said, I hope Kamal Martin has a great NFL career. I hope he makes himself a lot of money. 
maybe wins a Super Bowl, has just a great life. I hope that doesn't start till the Packers release him in training camp, though. That's <laughs> it's it, really, though, in all honesty, for the Packers, you can poke fun at their draft. And obviously, we're homers. This is the score North Gophers show. I think this is a good find for them late in the fifth round. Why not? You know, the kid can play. If he stays healthy at bare minimum, he's going to make some tackles on special team for you on special teams, and he'll be a good depth guy, maybe rotational guy at linebacker. He can play. He, he, Kamal Martin will start at linebacker for the Packers next year. Um, he, they, they, all they did, they, they lose Blake Martinez at, at their inside linebacker position. They add Christian Kirksey, who, if you're familiar, he's a, he was an inside linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. He was, he's okay. Um, they have Oren Burks there. Oren Burks has been a complete bust, third-round draft pick. He has not seen the field, and in, in, this is going to be his third year. Kamal Martin will be a starting linebacker for the Packers in 2021 if they play. But Kamal Martin, in the next the next year that the, the Packers play football, will be a starting inside linebacker for them. Do me a, do, I was just going to say, Murph, do me a favor. I want you to tweet that. To Phil Mackey, Robbie Maklov, Judd Zolgat, and Jonathan Harrison, all Mackey and Judd with Rami for their write that down segment Wednesdays at five. That I hey, if you're looking to hit a home run and write that down, that's a way to do it. Mackey, I mean, Judd- I don't even think it's that crazy to say the pack. I'm sh- like to, not to get too deep into the weeds with the Packers, but the fact that they did they barely addressed their major their major um, areas of need. They did not take a receiver in one of the deepest receiver classes that you could see. They they clearly had a need there, but they're going to roll with Equinamia St. Brown off of a broken leg and uh, and Martez Valdez Scantling off of a very down season. You add uh, you add uh, uh, Devin Funchess, who's been nothing but a disappointment in the NFL. And yeah, you have Devontae Adams, but good luck when he gets triple teamed every single play. I have zero idea what the Packers were doing. They added Kamal Martin, which, I, I mean, we'll see how he ends up playing in the NFL. I, I loved watching him for the Gophers, but that doesn't always translate. We'll see. But they're going to force him into starting for them. Just you watch. He's going to be a starting linebacker in, in 2020 if they play. So uh, the Packers draft was just bewildering to me. Okay, so let's we got a few minutes left here before I have other duties I need to tend to. Let's hash out a few things. One of them, not necessarily the Packers draft, but let's hash out Jordan Love going to Green Bay. And I know sure. that I know this is not the Score North Packers show or even Purple Daily, but I think it's so intriguing to football fans everywhere. Yeah. Jordan Love had a really good college football career until last year and the experts who defend him will say he struggled last year because he lost everybody and had receivers who didn't know what they were doing. Other people will say, okay, that's fine, but he still needs to know not to make those passes. And that's right. just that's just 500-foot view, very layman's terms for trying to describe sure. Jordan Love in 30 seconds. I don't know seconds. if you saw some of the, some of the low-light highlights of Jordan Love, but it was bad last year. Like, he was staring down receivers. Like, you—, you you can argue that he lost talent, but he played like crap. Like it was, it was not good. Okay. So, but here, here's what I would say: even if they're wrong, and knowing what we know now, and even on draft night, we knew the Bears were probably wrong trading up to get Mitchell Trubisky when they didn't even need to trade up to get him. They probably could have just had him. Or but just take Pat Mahomes. 
Okay, 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 again, but I don't know if we can rip the Bears for that because other teams passed on him too. What, I, what I'm saying is, though, if you do your homework and you think you found your quarterback of the future in a league where it's really tough to win Super Bowls without a dynamic playmaking quarterback, whether he's in the pocket or outside of the pocket, no matter who it is, it yeah. is the most important position in professional sports. If you think you have found that guy, and especially when it's a quarterback, I'm not going to crucify a team. Uh, if anything, I'm going to crucify the Vikings, who I thought with multiple picks in the third, fourth, or fifth round should have just thrown a dart at the wall at either Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason just to see. Because they have – it's not that – this is not an anti-Kirk Cousins take. This is not an Aaron Rod, anti-Aaron Rodgers take. They're not going to be around forever. And if you yeah. don't have a franchise quarterback, you don't win in the NFL. Guys who have won Super Bowls that aren't franchise quarterbacks, few and far between, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe he's a franchise quarterback, but he's in the second tier, and he was very close last year. And what happened to him? An all-world franchise quarterback just said, screw this, I'm going to win this stupid game, right? That's the type of player I want. And if you think Jordan Love is that player, by all means, give up draft picks and go get him. I don't care if it makes Aaron Rodgers angry. I don't care if drafting Jake Fromm makes Kirk Cousins angry. Kirk Cousins isn't going to be here in five years. Write that down. He's not going to be here in five years. You need to be planning for his replacement. So I'm, I'm just, I get so upset at attacking teams for thinking that they found their guy and taking a quarterback. And then I get upset at teams like the Vikings who only take first round quarterbacks when they need them. And then every other time they draft a quarterback is a sixth or a seventh round guy. And don't get me started on Stanley this year because Stanley would have been a rookie free agent if they didn't have 47 seventh round picks. So don't, sure. so don't get me started on him. So do I think Jordan Love's going to work out? My gut says, I don't think he's going to, but my brain also says the Packers have again, different people. The Packers have had really good luck identifying quarterbacks. So we all laugh today, but just watch the joke will be on us in three or four years when Jordan loves in an NFC championship game. And the Vikings are at home with some kid they drafted from Louisiana state in the fifth round at quarterback. <laughs> Here's the thing. I just think, sorry, that got I me agree, really I worked agree. up. I got really worked I, up defending I the like Packers. You, I like it when you get worked up. <laughs> Um, I, I agree with your premise about, like, if you identify your guy, go get him. I just don't think they identify the right guy. Um, I, I think the biggest indicator for success in the NFL at the quarterback position is either you have the, you have to have a combination of this raw talent but also, you have to win in college. I, I think that, I mean, you see sometimes when, when um, quarterbacks come from losing programs and they, they find a way to make it work in the NFL. But how often have we seen guys passed on? And I, I just look at guys like Russell Wilson. I look at guys like Deshaun Watson, where teams just pass on these guys who they've done nothing but win in, in college. And they, maybe, like they, they maybe don't check all the boxes for you. But they, they are still an upper echelon talent. They win in college. And, oh, weird, when they get to the NFL, they do the exact same thing. And I think Jordan Love had just too 
too many question marks. I I don't. I guess we'll wait and see. He's gonna he's gonna sit for at least a year. I think the their Packers are gonna seriously start think about starting him in his second year. But I, it's it's nice he goes into that situation. He gets to he gets to sit behind a, a, an offensive mind and Matt Lafleur and obviously Aaron Rodgers. It's it could, he couldn't have gone to a better situation. I don't think. If- However. I just don't I, don't. I don't think he was the guy to move up for, and that's why I question the pick. We'll see, because I don't know anything. I mean, we in 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 three years, maybe he's really good, but I, I just that was my whole thing is when they when they moved up to get him and Packer fans, they thought the same thing because they they had they had needs at other positions, and I think when you're in the NFC Championship game with a still very viable Aaron Rodgers. I, I think they should have ran it back by adding more talent, and they didn't do that. So in, in terms of that for a team like the Vikings next year, that was the best draft the Packers could have had. Now, we'll see on Jordan Love. That That's super important to see what he turns into. But I just don't think he was the guy to move up for. And that's that's how my opinion different, differs from, uh, from your guy, Brian Gutekunst. So I also look at it this way, projecting out. I think they'll probably try and do what they did with Favre, where Aaron has two more years in Green Bay, and then in the third and final year of his contract, they try and facilitate a way to trade him somewhere. They won't release him because they won't want him to sign with the Vikings to replace Kirk Cousins for a few years. That could inevitably happen at some point, but they'll they'll stop that from happening. Here's my wild take. New England's defense is so good that they're going to win at least five games this year, so... They're going to be at least 5-11, and 11, maybe better, right? Which is somewhere, anywhere, we'll call it from the 8th to the 15th pick. It's sure going to be a kick in the pants when the Green Bay Packers get, like, the 10th overall pick for Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers plays four or five years with the uh, New England Patriots. I, 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 I could <laughs> see that. I just can't understand how they didn't take a quarterback. Who's going to start for quarterback for them this year? Are you not a Stidham guy? No. Still could be Andy Dalton. We'll figure out in time. We got to close with this. Quick go for football note. All they do is continue to land four-star kids. Couple recruiting sites. We'll just we'll just keep it in general. Any major recruiting site that you visit has them somewhere between four and ten. This continues to be good for go for football. It continues to be good for go for football's future. Overall, if you're a go for football fan and Hopefully we have football in the fall here in 2020. This just continues to be really exciting. And I, and I don't think either one of either you or I are going to break down the kid. I don't think we need to break down the kids. I don't think we need to do that. But just when you see the Gophers in the top 10 nationally recruiting, and we're fairly far into it at this point. It's not like each school has one or two kids at this point. A lot of the schools in the top 10 have anywhere from four to eight, four to nine kids. Do we? Do I think the Gophers are going to finish in the top five or top 10? No, I don't. But will they finish in the top 20? Yeah, they probably will. And I think that's a really good sign, especially when we've talked about in the past, Murph. Oh, the Gophers are 19th in the country in recruiting. Oh, but they're only ninth in the Big Ten, right? It's, right. it's super competitive. So at this point in the game, if you can be where they're at, that's an awesome sign and a really good sign for P.J. Fleck and the University of Minnesota, where when they get back on the football field, you're going to want excitement because they need to get fans in the seats when they can, because they need some money flowing into the <laughs> athletic 
athletic programs at the University of Minnesota. And that's not just a University of Minnesota problem. That's a college sports around the country problem, thanks to this pandemic. But overall, you just have to be really happy with where the Gopher football program's at on the recruiting trail for 2021. Maybe that mean. I mean, and, and what they need to do, obviously, when you lose five players in the NFL draft, and not only that, they they had a they had a couple of uh, a couple of the undrafted free agents signed. I know Sam Renner signed. Um, and who else? I'm missing a couple. Rodney Smith signed with yep. uh, Carolina. Rod- Rodney Smith not gonna push Christian McCaffrey. I'm just going out on a limb there, but let's let's hope he makes the roster. That would be fun, or at least can latch on to a practice squad or maybe somebody else's roster. Then you talk about potentially you're you're losing more offensive production next year with Rashad Bateman possibly being a, a first round pick. It was cool to hear if you heard Mel Kiper talking about the 2021 class. He, he mentioned Rashad Bateman and Tanner Morgan. I thought that was pretty cool. So um, the Gophers getting some love nationally. Maybe it means if you bring in these these nice recruiting classes, Ross. That you're not going to struggle through your non-conference like you did last year, and almost—I uh, don't want to—I don't want to—I don't want to get upset about that. But maybe let's not do that this year. Maybe let's not just completely struggle through the non-conference portion of the schedule. So I'm pulling up Murph. I have to find it really quickly here. So let me stretch for a second. The Gopher. You're good at stretching. The, I would say you're one of the best in the business at stretching. Well, thank you very much. The Gopher football. 2021 schedule. I got to keep stretching here because I went to the wrong site. If I'm right, if Tanner Morgan has a year like he just had, and I think it has to be like he just had, he's got to have single digit interceptions and probably 30 plus touchdown passes. If he yeah, does right. that, if he does that again, he should cash in because I think he'd be. Mel Kuyper said he'd be in the second tier of quarterbacks. Okay, well, if that means you're going to be somewhere between mid to late first round and third round, maybe you want to cash in on that because you're going to no longer have, obviously, Tyler Johnson's gone. Rashad Bateman will be a first round pick in the NFL draft. I think it just depends on, as is he a, some, some mocks for next year, which I pay very little attention to, have him in the 20s. I think it could be... You don't like the way too early mocks? Oh, my gosh. It's it's stupid. Yeah, it's so stupid. Mackie and Joe with Rami were poking fun at a guy who had a 2023 mock draft out yesterday. In which people, the, but the thing is, people look at it, so you can't fault the, the, the mockers who do it because it gets, they get clicks. But, yeah, the, the idea that you're going to – I mean, that's how you end up with Mitch Leidner as a first-round pick is doing things like that. <laughs> okay. and, I, and I love Mitch Leidner, but that that doesn't look so good for McShay anymore, does it? Very quickly, the 2021 schedule is not as brutal as I remember it being, but it is incredibly brutal out of the gate. The Gophers will start that year at home against Ohio State – then the, thir- I, yeah. then the third game of the year, they're going to go on the road to Boulder, Colorado, which who knows what Colorado will be at the time. But that's not your that's not your layup. That's a very losable game no matter where Correct. they're at. And if you're Tanner Morgan, you look at that and you go, well, I just threw for over 3,000 or four, let's call it 3,000 yards, 30 touchdown passes, minimal interceptions. Rashad Bateman's gone. And yeah, we're receiver you now, so they'll, they'll keep... They'll keep, yeah, they'll 
replenishing. Yeah, they'll, they'll keep they'll keep replenishing. But if you're if you're Tanner Morgan, you're probably gonna look at those two of those first three games and go, eh. And then it gives our guy Zach Anikstead a few years under center. You know, we you I, know what we I do, Murph. We don't re we don't rebuild at the U Murph. We reload. Right, that's true. I will say this, Ross. Is there a better time to play Ohio State than the first game of the season? That has to be like the the biggest chance you'd knock them off is game one, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess it's possible. Maybe you'd want them later in the year if they have some injuries. But go back. A yeah, few- but I, I would like. I would much rather play a team when they haven't seen any of you, and you're their first action all year. I mean, we freak. I mean, not frequently, but you see teams lose. They're early on in their in their season to kind of maybe figure it out as the year goes on. As the Gophers kind of did last year, they didn't lose those games, but they struggled. I think your your best shot to knock off Ohio State is probably in game one. Write that down. Murph says Minnesota will knock off Ohio State to start the year Wouldn't on. Wouldn't that be fun, though? Wouldn't that be really fun? I also believe, as I'm late for a meeting, I'll end with this rant. I already closed it, but I believe that's a stupid Friday night game. By the way, okay, here's my other rant. Next year, if the season happens and I go to the games, and we're closing with this because this is way too long of a podcast, the Gophers (laughs) play games on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday. College football is meant for Saturdays and occasionally a really good game on a Thursday night. We have to stop with these also-ran games on Thursdays and Friday nights. We just have to be done with it. And not only when I'm governor of Minnesota am I executive ordering that hot dog buns can only be purchased in 6 and 12 packs in the state of Minnesota, as president of, a, of the country, I will executive order only five or less college football games on Thursday night. All other college football games need to be played on Saturday unless acts of God get in the way. Okay, I'm, I'm good. I can, I can deal with that, although I don't think that's likely because I think those games – they draw more money than what the uh, what college football would be making on those days anyway. We'll, so we'll, fi- I, I we'll think, figure I it out. I don't like your odds. We'll figure it out, Murph. Hey, as with executive order, I can do whatever I want. It's the signature of the pen, buddy. That's it, Murph. We are way over on this one. Great to see your smiling face. Absolutely. It was, it was fun. I think everybody enjoys when we're long. <laughs> that is at Murph underscore MN on the Twitter machine. I am at Brendel Ross, not Brandel like that Vikings player that was just drafted. B-R-E-N-D-E-L-R-O-S-S on the Twitter machine. That'll do it for this very elongated edition of the Score North Gophers show.